This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And while it's our plan, and yes, we occasionally do have a plan here at TDPS Presents nah, Christopher and Eric. Don't you believe it. It's our plan to bring you another installment of our special series, What Science? This would be volume four. First, well, I guess it is a vaguely scientific topic. We want to talk about a new piece of technology that Eric Shaw Quinn has introduced in his domicile and the amusing footage it captured over the weekend. Uh, Do we? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Eric. Am I bothering you today? Did I interrupt your morning tea with our podcast recording? No, I was... (laughs) Old technology actually intruded there. I bumped the uh, the iPad screen and knocked off the uh, the FaceTime that connects me to you and Brandon, and I thought I had done it again. We had a huge issue with me doing, I don't know what, to the FaceTime a minute ago, and I lost Christopher and Brandon somewhere in the ether. But you're back now, so all is well. I suppose that you're talking about my weekend experience. Well, it was my weekday experience, actually, with my ring cam. Yes, you have installed an apartment-friendly ring camera on your front door. I have. I I found the um Christopher gave me a ring cam a couple a year or so ago, a couple of years ago, um as a present, but it was for like if you have a house and or a handyman who could install it. Um <laughs> Was, so I the story the, is, I gave you the wrong ring camera well, for your home. Well, no, it just it was it was a great one, but it would just was it was like I couldn't find a place for it um, on my door. And then I thought, well, I wonder if Amazon has invented apartment friendly. I live in an apartment building. Um, ring cams, and what do you know? They have they have one that actually replaces your people. I don't know why you couldn't use that on your house too, but it was very easy to install. You just unscrew your people, slide the thing through it, and then tighten it up and snap the battery on the back and boom, uh, you're broadcasting. So it's been fun and interesting and Christopher is uh, can also monitor people walking down my hallway, it's which has been nice. busy. I get a lot of notifications about your hallway. It is busier hallway than uh, I was surprised at how many people um, actually do pass by on a regular basis. But being where I'm close to the elevator, so everybody else on the floor has to walk past. So I guess that makes sense. Anyway, um, so the other night it was late. It was about. I don't look at it all the time, but, you know, like if somebody comes to the door or there's something going on, I'll check on what's happening. So the other night there was a bunch of noise and I thought, huh, it's like 1.30 in the morning. What the hell is that? And so I clicked on the ring cam and looked and this man who appeared to be like a complete stranger 
walks past, looks at, over in the general direction of my door with a sort of like furtive look and then motors down the hallway. You know, he's not running, but he's not wasting any time. Motors down the hallway. And then I'm going to say three to four seconds later, one of the strangest looking creatures that I've ever seen <laughs> walks into the center of the frame, turns and looks directly into the camera as though it's addressing me. Like, you just button your lip. I don't want to hear that you saw me here tonight. <laughs> and then pursues the man down the hallway. And I was like, what the fuck was that? So it turns out you can share your um, your videos. So I said Wait, it. Wait, I'm going to, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm going to interrogate you for a minute. I want oh, you okay. to define this creature loosely. You don't have to identify it, but just give us a visual sense of what this creature, because people could be thinking it's like a Nessie or a ghost or no, it's, a, a girl it's from the ring. It's relatively, it's, a, it's on the smaller side, like a, like a small dog um, or something, you know, like, that's that kind of size. It's not as big as a German Shepherd. It's it's smallish, but it's it's oddly wrinkly and rumpled and kind of strangely mm-hmm. colored. And it's just a very odd looking creature. Like like one of my thoughts was, is that a Mexican banana rat? You know what I mean? Like it was like, is that a thing? Is that a know, real thing? A Mexican banana rat? I think so. Yeah. But chihuahua like but large chihuahua more like a manchester right. than a chihuahua um it also seemed kind of like a cat but not really um it was just a really strange looking whatever it was it was weird i'm also going to interject just briefly and say eric shaw quinn does not drink or abuse any sort of uh, substances he's he's not you know sugar sometimes but not right well, now because he's doing keto but even if i did there is a videotape, you know, like <laughs> I couldn't hallucinate onto the video. So even if I was dropping acid and um, snorting Maker's Mark, I would still not have been able to hallucinate things onto my webcam. So and I, I've seen the video, too. I'm a witness. I, I and can so has my it. landlord because you can forward it to your land. So I forwarded it to my landlord and said, who is this? And what the fuck is that? <laughs> so she texted me back and longer story. This has been a way longer story than probably is going to be worth it in the long run. It turns out that it was my neighbor from the first floor who, once she said that, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I do know who that is. But I, he's never been on the third floor, so I didn't expect to see him and thought, is there a homeless person and his pet banana rat walking down my hallway? I, I don't know. Um, and he has a Manx, I think is the word, a hairless cat. Oh, Maybe Manx God. means tailless cat. I can't remember. But he has a hairless cat. And okay. it apparently lives to escape from their apartment. Mm-hmm. And so it's been hot here. So somebody must have opened the fire door because... Apparently, people believe that somehow that's going to cool the building off. I I don't know how that would be possible, but people always mm-hmm. do that when it gets hot. They prop open all the fire doors, which is illegal, by the way, it is, and very dangerous. They have fire doors for a reason. Um, anyway, so maybe somebody propped open the fire door on the first floor, but the cat took off and ran out uh, through the propped open fire door on on my floor, and... Uh, 
Uh, so he was, so the guy was looking for his runaway cat, his errant hairless cat. So the story doesn't turn out to be, you know, as exciting as it might have been. Well, no, still, wait, wait. There's more to this story because the the choreography of what you were seeing, the the rela- the physical relationship between your strange neighbor and the strange animal was like, what's going on between these two? <laughs> because it it's not clear. Just go into some detail. Like I, I am the architect of making you tell this well, story, so well, the I'll hit all that, the points for you. The thing that, um, the thing that is really unusual about the video is that it isn't clear that the man is aware he's being followed yes. by that cat. <laughs> That's what's so weird about it? <laughs> it's like there's a man walking down the hall, and he's being I sent it with the hashtag. Cat stalking. Um, right. When I shared it with Christopher, because it isn't clear that the man walking down the hall isn't being followed by you know a cat with maybe um, you know questionable intentions, like <laughs> as they, they all never, are. And, Every cat intention is questionable. And then they never saw Phil again. Um, you know, like it's sort of like that. Like you know, like uh, attractive young woman walks past somebody's ring cam, and then suspicious dude. Um, right in leather jacket walks behind her um, looking questionable, wearing dark glasses at night. And then she's never seen again. It has that kind of quality to it, even though it's a man and his hairless cat. Um, Yeah. I, maybe if I can figure out how to post it without revealing too much. Yeah. We have to figure out how to blur out your neighbor's face because it's all about what the cat is doing. And as you described, the cat gives a look towards the camera. There are two ways of interpreting it. It's like bored married couple walks down hallway together and husband's like going too fast. And the wife's like, wait, what's that ring camera about? He's like, oh, I don't give a shit. And she's like, she wants to talk about it, but he won't. So she keeps walking. That's interpretation. at another option. (laughs) <laughs> right. I oh, if, if only I lived in that cool apartment <laughs> Right, it always Your apartment always smells really good Second interpretation is Threatening look thrown in your direction As you described Saying don't yeah. you talk about what you yeah. saw here Mr. Quinn but It's our hallway left. at 1am You stay on the other side of that door Hairless cats rule this place Erase Ooh. this video Because mm-hmm. we've so, also uh, you... had The strange event of one of the it records in little blips. It records like for a minute and then it cuts back off to save so the battery isn't run, you know, run down because it doesn't run all it doesn't run constantly because there's not always whenever it detects motions, it clicks on. But there was one event uh, a couple of days ago where it recorded a minute of complete black. Like just it is absolutely black. There's no visual at all it's not dark or the lights went out or something like that it's like a member of uh what what did they call that um the device on men in black when they would hold it up and your memory would disappear um i don't know what they called that device tell us on facebook party people what they called that device yeah tell us (laughs) what the name of the device is if you didn't have your mind wiped by it an anesthetizer or something like that. Anyway, it was like somebody did that or somebody really famous walked by and they had some electronic way or some government official, the president walked past and the secret oh service God. could black out cameras. I'll, I'll tell you who it is. This is a little topical. It could have been one of them census takers. 
they're all over the city right now having to do extra work because so few people responded to them during the pandemic, fewer than usual. So they've, I bet they've got a scrambler for ring cameras so people can't pretend not to be home. Why would people <laughs> not respond to the census? It takes like 30 know. seconds and you can do it online with your magic number and... I don't know, but they extended I would think the it. pandemic would be the ideal time to do it. That's what I thought, too. But they actually gave them extra time, at least here in West Hollywood, at least, because apparently people were not responding at the levels well, that they expected. Maybe everybody ran out, left town for the... Um... Mm. That could be part of it. Speaking of ring cameras... I would I don't be mean at my place off. in the Hamptons if somebody would just get me one. Did you ever see the footage? It was I. It would scared me so bad I couldn't do a follow up. But it's of the woman screaming from the moving car captured on the ring camera from the yes. front door of the house. I I tried to convince myself it wasn't real because the screams are so disturbing. I'm like, this is somebody, some teenager playing an audio out of a car I, window. I'm not sure if I remember that ever being like if there was ever a follow-up on that or not. But yeah, that was really disturbing. There's also the one where um, they capture the guy who kidnaps the little girl because of the ring cam. Yeah. Like within hours of him abducting him, they find his car in the parking lot at the Red Roof Inn or something, like neighbors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And they get in and kick the door down and the little girl is fine and the man hadn't gotten a chance to do anything horrible to her except snatch her out of her mother's arms and drive away with her which is plenty traumatizing I would absolutely I would think Uh, you know uh, this is more of a true crime TV club conversation and if this is your first episode of TDPS presents Christopher and Eric we do where the hell have you been I know we do a true crime TV club uh, special series where we talk about true crime specials to this week we are doing what science which is when we talk about paranormal and wacky sci-fi specials but um, we have often had to talk about in the course of covering these documentaries how crime solving law enforcement and and criminals have had to adapt to the proliferation and abundance of security cameras it always felt like the british had us licked in this area because every time you watch a british crime drama and you and i watch a lot eric shawquin they say well we got them on cctv cctv it's like every other word out of their mouth and i was like how come we don't have more cctv and it turns out well we do have some but now we're all buying our own and putting it on our front doors apparently we also have a bigger country yeah like there's less area to cover with the camera. I'm not sure comparatively what size it is, but probably like, I don't know, is Great Britain the size of California? I, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it is a more compact space. It's fewer people and a smaller space. But yeah, mm-hmm. like London, I can't imagine that there is a square inch of London that's not covered on camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think they have made a real effort about it, you know, mm-hmm. to have everything covered because it really is, I think, an incredibly valuable tool. I know, I guess people say it feels invasive, but if you're walking down the street, you don't know who's seeing you or filming you anyway. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. 
At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Another edition of What's Science? Well, however unintentional it was with that intro, we went and from actually talking... it was entirely unintentional, right? we've just realized. We are going to not be talking about security cameras today, but we are going to be talking about satellites today, because this installment of What Science is going to cover two episodes of a television series entitled What on Earth?, And Eric watched season eight, episode three, which was entitled Island of Alien Ooze. And I watched season two, episode four, Who Built Supervillain Island. When we do What Science, we um, go off into our respective corners and then we come back and report to each other about what we saw, unlike True Crime TV Club when we watch the same documentary. So if you want to watch these shows before you listen to us talk about them, Stop listening to this podcast because we're about to start talking about them. However, there's gonna this is a first for Christopher and Eric in general, which is that both of these episodes covered multiple stories. I don't know. I think having four different topics may actually make it a little more well, we'll see how it plays out, but like the prospect compared to last what science Boy, I could have used some additional topics. <laughs> we got a comment on the Facebook page from party person Amy Bellino who says, normally I don't ever want to watch. I listen to the podcast, but I don't want to watch anything you're talking about. But given your description of how bad those shows were, I had to go and watch. And her thoughts are on the comment thread for that post, uh, for that episode post. Did and she, you can go did check she come out. back and say how bad she thought it was? Or I believe so. I believe so. Well, I haven't so. seen I, that. Well, yeah. well, let us know what you thought if you haven't, Amy. But... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was really that was that was terrible. That was but so but I was yeah, going to so make the irony is, is that we after talking all about cameras and uh, miking up the UK, it turns out we're now doing a science show that is based on satellites orbiting the Earth, spotting things on Earth. Right. That they don't know what it is. And so it's called What on Earth? OK, so why don't you go first? As my punishment for as your punishment you for your- picking this show, <laughs> no, I want to see how you handle the four different whatevers, the stories, and then if you, ha- I may handle them the same way, or I may try something different that surprises you. If, I, if it really goes to hell, yes, um, uh, they'll maybe do something different. Okay, well, as Christopher said, mine um, is called the Island of Alien Ooze or something like that. Um, so. <laughs> How could you resist that? We mainly wanted to just say Island of Alien Ooze a lot. Over and over and over as again. Many Island times of Alien be, Ooze, yes. Because it just seemed like, okay, that's really, that could be fun. So right off the bat, they don't talk about Alien Ooze. Um, <laughs> we start October 29th, 2018, Mississippi, 10 miles west of Jackson. Satellite spots what they call a dead zone. Um Lindsay Moran, a former CIA agent, why they asked her about this, I don't know, <laughs> describes it as 
oozing out of control. So it's going to be oozing as emerging as a theme early on. <laughs> Kevin Heimel, military historian, says it's kind of alarming. I don't know why they needed a military historian to say that, but he did. So Nick Pollock, who is identified as a scientist, that's it. No further description, just a scientist. So he may be the guy who tastes dog food, um, goes to investigate uh, this uh, dead zone west of Jackson, Mississippi. And he discovers an abandoned industrial site with some sort of cement sort of slab, this gigantic cement slab. May I ask a question? May I ask a question? Have they defined dead zone in any way? Is it just like, is it visual? Absolutely not. They have just (laughs) showed you this huge gray area. Like what they see from space is like trees and fields in regular sort of environment. And then in the midst of it, there is this rather sizable, large enough to be seen from space area that is um, cement or they don't know that it's cement. It's gray, and it's completely different from its immediate surroundings. It's mm-hmm. also fenced, and there are a couple of buildings, which turn out to be rusted old warehouses. Um, and so, you know, so, so naturally no. they get a guy who they now reveal is a geologist. Um, I guess they're still counting that as being a scientist, but they don't say scientist this time. Uh, Nick is a geologist. so They call them finds, rock doctors. They don't Nick call them that. I just made that up. Nick finds a rusty valve labeled inflow controller and says, this appears to be some kind of inflow controller, which I thought was <laughs> really astute. That's what makes him a scientist. Uh, yeah. I guess the next is going to be Nick Pollock literate. Um, or rock doctor as active um, reader, active reading rock doctor. Okay. Absolutely. So So then he comes upon a rusting four story, um, uh, watchtower and says, this appears to be some kind of watchtower. (laughs) Um, so there's not, nothing gets by Nick. (laughs) So he climbs the tower um, as they reveal that he is not only a geologist, but also a professor. So people with kids may want to, uh, you know, check into <laughs> who's teaching your kid geology. Cause it may be this genius. Um, it may just be reading, reading right. signs counts it for geology, reading the stuff that labels to your right. kids. Um, okay. Climbs the watchtower and realizes that it looks like a model of a river. And then upon further exam- investigation, he discovers that um, it's, uh, it, it, it is a river. <laughs> it looks just like he, he realizes after looking on his phone while standing on the watchtower, um, it's the Mississippi River, which kind of begs the question, why didn't you look on your phone before you got here? <laughs> and how um, did you miss the Mississippi River? That's not some isolated backwater river like when you were... <laughs> well, it isn't... He doesn't see the Mississippi River. He sees that the the huge cement form is a model of the Mississippi oh, River. Oh, okay, okay. I stand corrected by the rock doctor. And then, um, on further investigation, on his phone... Not on the site. Um, he discovers that uh, 
Following the great floods of 1927 and 1937, a giant multi-acre scale model of the Mississippi River was built by German and Italian prisoners of war during World War II there in Mississippi to explore how to deal with river flooding. It takes 26 years to build it. Um, And... uh, Eight miles of and includes eight miles of waterways in a two hundred acre park. Oh my God! Right, all of this really kind of says, "Why didn't you just look this up on your phone before uh, you got here?" Uh, it's going to be a theme of this, of this show. Yes. Anyway, just, yeah. um, it they they used it. They ran seventy nine different um tests on it between the opening and when they closed it in nineteen seventy three because now we use computer models for this sort of thing. So they just abandoned this giant scale model of the Mississippi River that they built out of cement so that a group of men could play with water um and call it <laughs> science. Okay. So now we jump to summer twenty fourteen. We go back in time to Northwest Turkey where a reconnaissance mission captures an image in Lake Iznikulu. (laughs) I wish our listeners could have seen the face you made before pronouncing that word. Well, I typed it in a way that it looks like uh, that it sounds. (laughs) Zap Dingbat's your favorite font, yes. I I have no idea how you would spell Iznikulu, so I just typed out what you needed to say in order to capture the sound of what they said or what they appear to be saying. Professor okay. Mark Horton, archaeologist, speculates that we're looking at something submerged underwater, hmm. which, again, I think he went to the same school as the geologist because that's obvious from space, mm-hmm. um, literally. Archaeologist Clint Janelis immediately observes that it's something that goes back millennium. And Katie Paul, an anthropologist who they bring in for some reason, says that it is clearly something that is thousands of years old. Don't know how that's clear. And how did it get? Her big question is, how did it get to the bottom of Lake Isnagulu? Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, which I guess is, you know, particularly if you were in whatever the structure was, you'd want to know what the hell. Um, apparently, they, um, from a little research, discover that it's just off the coast of what they believe was once called the city of Nicaea, home to the Nicaean Creed. Mm. And maybe um, it's a tower because they had towers in Nicaea. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it's obviously, says one of them, a church. No, no, I said that. It's obviously a church. <laughs> this is my note. This is not one of them. None of them said that. I said that out loud in my living room. This is obviously a church. It's You can see the nave. You can see the lobby area. You yeah, can see there, the, the roundy part of the back. It's obviously a basilica. This um, is anyway, be a theme on this show, I'm telling you. Yeah, okay. Anyway, Mark Horton... Mark Horton, who earlier observed that it was underwater, astutely points out that it is a church, which it obviously is. Archaeologist Patrick Hunt decides it's a very famous church and very critical to Christianity because, yeah, it's the make or break church in Christianity. I think because of the Nicene Creed thing, they may have said it there first, which is like, okay, they could have said it, you know, like in Central Park. It's just a you know, yeah, like, right. Absolutely. It's, 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 you know, it's a call and repeat kind of thing. Anyway, um, 
George Coronas, who is billed as being an explorer. Uh-huh. One wonders if he's related to Dora. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know explorer could be your title. I may start telling people that I'm an explorer because I'm uh-huh. always looking for shit around this apartment. Well, isn't that is, what they send little Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life? He gets a little something from the National Geographic Explorers Club though in the in the scenes where he's with the younger version of his wife. He's like, I'm gonna see the Coral Sea or something. He's got a little maybe right, that's what it's Jimmy only has. available to us explorers. Right. I do actually I actually subscribe to the National Geographic, although they've been so unpleasant to me about my about me having digital access to my own account that I may actually let that lapse. But yeah, so I think I'm going to, because I'm always looking for the remote and my reading glasses, I'm going to start calling myself an explorer. I think that sounds very Don't you think that sounds fair? Where the hell are those keto chips? Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, let's see. So uh, they discovered (laughs) it was a... They look into it and they discover that it was actually built on top of something else. And a quick Mm -hmm. check of Roman records, which is apparently a thing, (laughs) reveals that there was... Rome.com. Apparently, yes. Back, you go to .gov. Um, (laughs) Gubierto, or whatever it's called. Um, Yeah, I... It was actually, uh, it was a temple to the god Apollo. Oh, this this may be my favorite conclusion from my from the whole episode. It's a temple to the god of Apollo outside of Nicaea, which it's also worth noting that no one has yet proved that this is where Nicaea was. But anyway, it was a temple to Apollo outside of Nicaea. And then they make the case that Apollo and Poseidon were good friends. You know, Poseidon, the god of, mm-hmm. yeah. of the sea, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in 1748, an earthquake um, sinks the church into the harbor. And so their conclusion is that as a favor to Apollo, who was offended when they built a church on his temple, um, Aquaman sank their church. <laughs> Which, How many of I the just, scientists interviewed believe this theory? Well, they kind of, this was kind of the, they didn't really assert, that, this was just the logic of where mm-hmm. we wound up with this. And I was like, because mm-hmm. they made absolutely no conclusions. Like they didn't even actually cite any evidence that they were in Nicaea. Oh my God. Okay. They just said it might've been here. And so this might've been the church and they might've said the creed here right. and they might've built it on top of the temple to Apollo, which was outside of Nicaea, but they haven't proved that this is Nicaea and maybe, right. and then it sank during this earthquake. That is a fact in mm-hmm. 740. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think that they necessarily linked, but they did, you know, there was some anecdotal evidence that okay. Poseidon okay. was tight with Apollo. So mm-hmm. draw your own conclusions. Don't fuck with Aquaman. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So then back to 2018 um, in Southern Siberia, everyone's favorite. Um, they make yet another discovery. <laughs> I'm 
Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. So, in June 23rd, 2018, over southern Siberia, um, journalist Sarah Carter says um, that they find something that's unlike any river that she's ever seen. It's like a zipper. Uh, worth noting, it's not a river. So one wonders why she brought that up. Then Dr. Adam Rubin, the biologist who they consult, says no river should be shaped like this, which again begs the question, since this isn't a river, why they keep bringing that up? Right. Um, it's five miles long. It looks like a canal at best, and it's filled with water. So maybe it's a lake of some sort, obviously man-made. There is still no river involved in this report. But then Carlo reveals that it reminds her of an engineering project. Well, Carlo is not. Carlo Munez is not a her. I don't know why my notes are inaccurate here. Carlo Munez, this a is, military This is car- the stress created by doing four stories in a row in one I, episode. I think so. I'm going to blame it on that. Yeah. Carlo Munez, a military sco- correspondent, says it really seems like it's in an effort to redirect the river itself. Um, but there is no river involved, so I don't know why they keep saying that. <laughs> That's right. Um, this was the whole strategy of the show is, well, it doesn't look like this thing that it's not. What a mystery. Okay, I'm right. sorry. I'm and then it's in. not really a mystery, but yeah. it is kind of the thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so then he reveals that there was a project called the Northern River Reversal Project because, and this was actually an interesting fact, most of Russia's rivers flow into the Arctic Ocean, but they actually need the water in the other direction. And Ooh. so um, the during uh, communist Russia, they actually tried to um, reverse the direction of the rivers to get them to oh, flow south. That is so interesting. That they could, so I would call that... An irrigation project. Right. But they call it um, a crackpot idea. Because um, <laughs> Russians did it, and we all sort of hate Russians right now. Communist Russia did it, and so there, there's no um, uh, revealing. And then, buried the lead, Carlo reveals that as part of the project. Furious um, flipping of notes going on on your end. This right? is Carlo's thoughts are complicated, yes. it looks like. That in 1971, the Russians detonated three nuclear devices in their exploration of nuclear civil engineering to blow a gigantic hole in the ground that was then filled with radioactive water that no one could use. Um <laughs> But their experiment revealed that they would need 3.75 megatons of nuclear explosions or the equivalent of 250 Hiroshima's in order to cause the rivers to flow in the other direction. So wait, direction. wait, wait. Do they go into any detail here? Like, where are they setting these off along the length of the river? Is it like at the mouth of the river and they're trying to suck it backwards into the nuclear explosions? Oh, there's absolutely no data um, provided with that. We can't no do river, show again. 
No river is ever, ever included in this report about a river. <laughs> this is just, I can't handle it. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Are you done? Is that but, it? But then in a surprise development, they point out the thing that we originally started out talking couldn't possibly be part of this project. Right. And Lindsay Moran, former CI agent, I guess, discovers that it looks like it's freshly dug earth along the edges of the canal. And what do you know? It's a fucking gold mine and there are tailings along the side. And right. apparently Vladimir Putin is trying to corner the gold market so that he can collapse the uh, American um, dollar, which sounds right. like something out of a supervillain from a James Bond movie. But Vladimir Putin has some history of actually sounding kind of like that. So yeah. maybe it's plausible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then finally, <laughs> on October 13th, 2019, in the South Pacific Ocean near Tonga, a 1,600-foot mm-hmm. island suddenly appears. Wait, according I, had to a, George, I had a suddenly appearing island, too. Okay, yeah, George Coronas, explorer, wants to know where it came from. Yeah, as I And I'm I like, do. really, George? Like, it's an island. Where do you think it came from? Hawaii didn't like fall out of the sky, you know, uh-huh. like there's yeah. a pretty islands in the Pacific. I think it's kind of clear where they came from. All of them. Right. Anyway. Uh-huh. So we, uh, we dance around that topic for a while. And then what do you know? It's actually not a new Island. It was two. There were already two islands there. And a volcano erupted in between them and connected them. Right. And so they went to investigate and discovered that instead of black sand or um, congealed, I guess, um, lava rock, Mm -hmm. they discovered that the entire thing is covered with some kind of ooze. We're finally at the alien ooze. Yes. This is the alien ooze island. So then they talk for a long time about um, how there's a lot of, um, you know, we get back to where did it come from? And I'm like, refer to my earlier point. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a two inch blanket of slime with plants sprouting over it, covering the new area of the island. Um, I, I, a scientist states emphatically that they need to find out where the slime came from. Could this become some kind of primordial um, ooze, speculates Devin Denis. Um, so naturally, this means that the slime could be alive, he says. Uh, it just says it seems impossible that they actually discovered life under the surface of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Right? Like where it couldn't possibly have come from the ocean. No, because of course how could not. life possibly become how yeah. could there possibly be life under the surface of the ocean? Yeah. Um apparently deep ocean life is sometimes called zombie creatures, even though I've never heard of that. Um, you know, the little bacteria that live on the mm-hmm. bottom at super depths and near the vents at the bottom of the right. ocean. So that's what they're calling alien life. Because mm-hmm. It's from the bottom of the ocean um, and live off from an earthly phenomenon. Uh, so even though they live and thrive off an earthly phenomenon, they declare that it sounds like alien life to them. Mm-hmm. And they point out how this crucible is a very intense ge- uh, 
geological way may produce amino acids and essential elements that created life on Earth. So at the one time, one hand, they're saying that this deep sea life that is oozed up and may be responsible for um, this ooze that's covering this island, this slime that may could be actually be alive, right. um, is also possibly the source of life on Earth. So it's alien and zombie at the same time as being um, the 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 source of life on Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Costco Patel, which sounds like a department at a discount store, but mm-hmm. is actually a science communicator, speculates that these alien zombies are the ancient ancestors of all forms of life on Earth. So maybe we're all aliens, even though they are happening in a contemporary setting and all life forms on Earth already exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Danini, uh, Dini doesn't think that's true. Um and uh, he doesn't think the island is alive. Um, and we haven't talked about the island for a really... They never really talk about the island. Because the they slime, get distracted by the ooze. Or say what the slime is. There, there's never any conclusion. Yeah, I, so I their yeah. conclusion is that it deep in, uh, under the ocean is um, another part of... Uh, is, the pl- is the source of all life on Earth, but it may also be alien life because... It's not like life as we know it, but it's also contemporary, so it can't be the source of all life on Earth because it's happening now. It was, yeah, it was, it was a richly unsatisfying. Like the 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 reason we we watched this particular episode, or I did, was for this particular topic, and frankly, it may have been the least interesting. There's also another one in New South Wales where they South Wales where they find a radio tower that's part of. Um, it's like we watched there are seven seasons separating my episode from yours, and it's like we we watched the same episode because the devices of this show are all the same. There is a not that difficult to find explanation for everything they're seeing from the satellite, but they they show the same three blurry pictures of it over and over again to amp up the mystery and talk about it in the most ill-informed terms possible. And also, everything seems scripted to me. I think all of the quote-unquote interviews they were reading off of cue cards because they would say things like, we have to find out whether or not this is a volcano, you know? And it was like they had yeah. coached them through the line five it times. It was very Frankenbiting. It was yeah. very, they would just have these one uh, words, this one soundbite, and then it would be kind of, and it was always often connected with people that seemed like, why would they ask a CIA agent this? Oh, yeah. Like, and the labels, you were much better about writing down their actual names. I'm usually OCD about that with the true crime stuff we do. But this was like, he's a tech journalist. I'm like, why is this tech journalist talking about whether or not this island in the middle of the South China Sea is volcanic or not? Right. So who built Supervillain Island? Okay, Isn't well, here's what I want to do with this, because I, I will go crazy if I have to go through these in order. You are a saint to have done that. I'm going to list off the general categories, and you're going to pick the one you want to hear about most i'm assuming it's supervillain island but oh how can it not be but okay let's see what are my other choices supervillain island giant holes in siberia a blood waterfall in antarctica strange circles in the new mexico desert and then one that was so stupid and obvious i don't want to include it but something in the desert in libya <laughs> So take okay. your pick of where you want me to Thing start in the please, desert. Please, wow. Please don't pick the Libyan desert. Cause that was the one I, that was like the, 
the blood waterfall seems like I have to know about blood waterfall. Like if there's time, I would also like to know about Supervillain Island, but judging from your response to my Island coverage, I'm thinking that maybe it's another volcano erupts and Island forms in, or China builds islands in the South China sea all the time. So the answer may be China. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for my notes on the, on the blood waterfall. Uh, and like, Oh my God, what did I do with my... I don't know if I copied my notes to the... <laughs> I don't see anything about the blood waterfall. So we don't know. But, but it was so interesting. I know what the explanation is. But yes, Supervillain Island was clearly China. Like from the very beginning. Oh, an island appears in the middle of the South China Sea. Now my notes say that 67 nations are battling over this area of ocean. I don't think that's right. I think they might have said 627 because there are only about 190 nations on the planet that are recognized by the United Nations. I checked earlier. So I don't think 67 nations are battling over this area of ocean. But so the island that shows up one day is two miles long, and it's and it's got a runway on it, which you can clearly see from the first photograph of it they show. And I'm like, China clearly built this island. But no, first, they go into a long discussion of whether or not volcanism could have produced it. And, they, and I'm like, volcanism doesn't build runways for airplanes, and we all know no, this. No, not typically. So um, they go back Maybe and forth. Maybe it's an alien th- volcano. That where, you know, and like they brush up against that kind of stuff in the show, but it's not quite crazy enough to be that entertaining. It was like it was like edging. It was like a little bit of stuff that was actually interesting that I wanted to hear more about. (laughs) Science edging. I love that. Science edging with real explorers. I can't believe I don't have this can't be true. I must have notes on the blood waterfall in Antarctica. Anyway. okay, so. First, even though it's clearly China that built this island, they have to rattle off all of the other countries in the area that could have built it to say, no, they aren't capable of building it. Building it, excuse me. The Philippines. There are a lot of little countries in the South China Sea. So it's a good number of. Of, of little nations in and around all those little island countries. And, right. Uh, but none Southeast of them are Asia capable of and, building an island in several weeks, which is apparently like the satellite footage. It wasn't there at all, like a couple of weeks before. And now suddenly it's there. So um, it's China. Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's China. It's that seems clear from the outset. Like who else would do it? Right. Absolutely. And the holes in Siberia were sort of interesting. Um, So basically, I can from memory, apparently, I will be telling you about the blood waterfall in Antarctica. The blood waterfall is actually really gross and scary looking from space. It is. It's coming out the side of this um, glacier. I think it's the McDonald Glacier. And it is just like a red tide that (laughs) loving it. (laughs) (laughs) notes free Christopher goes all in on the Antarctic waterfall. So it's, um, it's an area of um, glaciers (laughs) that I'm forgetting the name of where you can walk around and do glaciery things, but it's um, it looks very similar from space to what you would see after a whale slaughter. And they actually show some really gross footage before it was outlawed of drawing, you know, slaughtered whales into harbor, cutting them open, removing it's a baby whale is pulled out of a mother. It's like a lot of gross stuff. But uh, the good news is this is not the explanation at all for what they're seeing in Antarctica. But it's the same color because blood is red, if you didn't know. And they need five scientists to tell you this. 
what they discover, they go out to the actual glacier. They use ground penetrating radar of some sort to find out what's underneath it. To, and well, could that's be this, industrious. It, right. And they find not the is, show scientists or some other people go out and to discover like not people from the show. No, go out no, to, okay. no, no, not people from the show. Uh-uh. Okay. They find an underground reservoir, which has been um, basically insulated in a weird way by the fact that everything around it freezes and refreezes constantly. And so it's been cooking the water in this reservoir. And um, as a result of, of that, the, it's a stew. And it's a stew of microbes, as it was in your alien ooze island. And the microbes are, um, I think they are producing iron. And that is what is causing the uh, red tide that's sort of spilling out of the side of the glacier. It's, 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 it's like a little leak in the side of this thing that's been, this pot that's been simmering with microbes for, I guess, millions and millions of years. And this is one of those moments in the show where, like, I wanted to see a whole show about this, but because it's not slightly crazy, they didn't spend a lot of time on it. These red scars are very similar to what are found on Europa, which is the largely icy moon of Jupiter. Wow. So, right. We're back to sort of alien microbes that may exist but other places than Earth. But it could be evidence that maybe the, the, same, the similar feature on Europa is also evidence of life there. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. that was interesting. That, and and yes. then that was it for interesting with this. Um, the um, Oh, my God. I think we're almost out of time. I don't know how much time I have for this, but... Uh, the the riv the irrigation project in mine was an arrow in the desert made out of concrete that and this is when they weren't reenactors but they were clearly reenacting their discovery of this arrow it was a retired cop and uh, his wife were driving through the Nevada desert and the arrow is was pretty clearly man made and um, they go up. <laughs> Well, obviously. It's, right. And so it's all of the worst possible explanations. Eat it, for, Joe's. Right. So they trace it to a beacon tower, okay? And they have the cop standing in front of the beacon tower, and the beacon tower has, wait for it, a windsock attached to it and a light on top. And he's saying, what could this possibly have been for? And it's like, how long did it take these people to just Google these arrows and find out what they were? They suggest that maybe the Freemasons were involved because the head of the arrow is a triangle. Oh, I love that. Did Poseidon and Apollo come up at they all? They show up, but they're, they're eating off to the side in the cafe where they're going through all their Google files and whatever. Right. What do you think the answer is? It's an airport. Yeah, it, it, they were originally in the first days of the postal service of airmail. They uh, didn't have radar and they didn't have radio um, signaling at all. So they literally poured these arrows on the ground to point the way east. And so they, they say, maybe it's from the gold rush. And everyone's like, yeah, A, nobody who was heading into California was going to show other people the way to get more gold. It was way too cutthroat. Or to go east. And then the gold wasn't in that direction. But that is presented like a big revelation. Like, no, no, no. The arrows are all pointing east and the gold rush was west. And I'm like, if that is the level on which this special is unfolding, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this again. So but this was the detail that really got me in the beginning of the, the airmail service. Um, they called the pilots the suicide club. And do you want to know why? Because 
31 of the first 40 died in crashes. Oh, my God. 31 out of 40 of the first airmail pilots died in crashes. Yeah, those small planes are terrifying. Um, Yeah, this sounds really like I was just thinking as you were describing it. God, being a postman is really hard and it hasn't gotten a whole lot better. Yeah, it really is hard. And you know what? My notes about Antarctica were here. I was just so distracted by my contempt for the rest of the special that I missed them. But yeah, so these arrows are still out there and they're all across the country. And the only reason I picked this episode is because it said giant arrows in the Badlands. And I thought they were referring to the actual Badlands National Park in South Dakota, with which I am mildly obsessed. But no, it was just the Nevada desert. And they had a close up of a rattlesnake which really pissed me off because you know I hate that shit. So anyway, hate this snakes. Is, I don't. I, this is the last time we're ever doing this show. But in the time we have left, I'll cover one more. I can do Siberian holes, or I can do uh, giant circles in the New Mexico desert. God, which was more interesting for you? The giant circles in the New Mexico desert turned out to be. Are you ready? Scientologists. The Scientologists own the property that they're on. You cannot access it. It's gated. If you pull up to the driveway gate and you you try to call, you get a busy signal. They show that actually on the special. They have somebody do Uh that. And the rumor is that they have built a bunker there where they have saved all of the most important teachings of Scientology on gold discs. And there is a secondary building. There is also an airstrip. Then there are these two giant circles. I don't know what the giant circles are for, if they're a signal or a sign or whatever, but they're there. You can see them in the desert. And the idea was that it was sort of like an apocalypse bunker, but it was more like a Noah's Ark for the brilliance that is the teachings of Scientology. And that was... That was about it. Like the, the Which the, kind of calls into question all archaeological discoveries ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if some crackpot decided to bury the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, because they didn't want their great wisdom to be lost for all times and they were just the, the current crackpot of their era. Right. Well, okay, so there are things that you could catch on a satellite, like I'm blanking on the name of them, but those giant figures, I think they're in Peru or Ecuador that you can only see from like 30,000 feet up. And they were created in a time where nobody could fly that high. It's like, okay, what is that about? That's an interesting mystery, but just finding a weird thing, a, a thing that looks weird from space, which has an obvious explanation and then walking us through every boneheaded, illogical description of it. The thing that seems interesting to me about the prospect is also spotting very remote man-made structures Mm -hmm. like in the middle of the Amazon jungle or in the middle of the Sahara, the Sahara desert, Mm -hmm. right there. That could actually be interesting, very much like those big figures, but like, oh, there is something here worth investigating. Right. Um, You know, so I think there is possible. But yeah, a lot of these do seem to be a little spurious. I didn't hate it as much as you did. But yeah, it's kind of I think they should call it. What the hell is that? Um, (laughs) I think that would be a better name for this show. What the hell is that? Yeah, it's sort of like the the ones that really crack me up are like there's a face uh, that somebody has built on the surface of Mars. And it's like. No, there isn't. Mm-hmm. There is a mountain and the shadow. And it, yeah, it kind of looks like a, sp- a face, but like, 
human minds are actually programmed to find faces anywhere. I mean, try looking at the clouds and not seeing faces. If you look at like, it one way, it's a young woman turning away. And if you look at it another way, it's an old woman with a big nose. It's like that optical right. illusion, right? Yes. It's, yeah. All right. So I think On that note, we should cue the outro be. for What Science. Take it away, Jordan Ampersand. What Science? All right, that was another installment of All what done. Science. No more All science. Done. No, no, we're not going to learn science. another goddamn thing till next month. Well, we'll have another exciting episode of what science. And next week we will return with True Crime TV Club, and that means it's time Yay. for our usual disclaimer. If you want to study ahead like a good student, you can if you want, but it's certainly not a requirement. Eric and I make every effort to break down the documentary. Uh, we discuss in as much detail so that you feel as if you have watched it, even if you haven't watched it. And we're actually doing a documentary film for the first time in a while. We've done mostly uh, series yeah. episodes. Uh, it's yeah. called Rewind, and um, it is a story, trigger warning, of boyhood abuse passed on through generations. It looks quite intense. And, and the filmmaker is... The subject of the story, which I thought was an also an entry. So it's sort of an autobiographical right. um, film. We'll see. It could um, maybe not be. But yeah, that seems like a, a sort of fascinating topic. It's uh, yes, but it's on Amazon Prime, right? It is. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you are a Prime member, it's uh, you, you can uh, watch it for free or you can watch it for as part of your Prime membership. And I think it's probably available other places as well. So. Rewind. That is the name of it. And until next week, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And then next week, I won't be Christopher Rice. Anyway. No, next week, it's a whole new set of people. Also named Christopher and Eric, but not Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. We have clones do the show every week. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.